0: Welcome to a brand new episode of the Nerd Enthusiast Gaming Podcast, where today we're going to be discussing games with great soundtracks, plus we look at the evolution of the Mario Kart franchise, what constitutes a gaming generation, and finally, we're going to end with a price pulse check. Uh, we're going to be checking out some prices of two different titles, and if you guys follow us over on Patreon, patreon.com slash nerd you guys will get an extra one uh, where we're going to be covering Silent Hill 2. So if you guys want to subscribe to Patreon, you can subscribe for as little as a dollar a month to get that exclusive content. If you guys subscribe at the $5 tier or higher, you can get early ad-free access to a variety of our shows, including this one. A couple other quick bits of housekeeping. Make sure you guys follow us on social media. We're at Nerd Enthusiast. You can find us on Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, all those places. And uh, if you guys could check us out over on uh, Podcast Services, just give us like a five-star review on like Apple Podcast Services or Spotify, it really does help out the show and it doesn't cost you anything at all. Before we go any further, I just want to welcome Wes to the show, of course. Wes, welcome. Yo, what's up, my friend? Not much, man. Good to have you on as always.
1: Look, every every episode I'm excited about talking about games, man. I look forward no, to it.
0: This is an exciting time. It's August first, if you guys didn't know. And if you don't know anything about me, I despise the summer. Like it is like a plague. Upon me, especially because I live in a desert. Um, You know, I lived in other places before. Not that bad. Summer was fine. It was tolerable. No longer. But August means we are this close to football, which means we're this close to the fall, which is my season to be alive and living. Should always be fall year round. Give me winter. Winter's my number two. Winter's my number two for sure.
1: I'm a snow baby, man. I need I need the snow.
0: Those people who like spring are nuts. Everything comes <laughs> alive. Your allergies are, you know, miserable. The world starts to get hot again. It's like, come on, man. Just let's get this over with. That's all I think about spring. Can we just get through this? <laughs> Give me the hell that's summer, and then we'll hop into fall. Please. But we're almost there. Anyway, <laughs> sorry about that tangent, guys. Uh, let's get talking about some games today. So we're going to start with great soundtracks. Wes. Kick things off
1: oh man we were talking about just games with good music memorable music you know and uh, there was there were there's a quite a few throughout the history of video games but the first one we're going to talk about is one of your favorite games we talked about it several times on the sega dreamcast crazy taxi
0: i mean Crazy Taxi. First off, the game is so much fun. It's such an easy, simple arcade-style game. But once you hear Offspring, just go. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, oh man, that's such a that's such a great song. I've seen them live like a billion times, mm-hmm. and that's like one of my favorite songs that they play live. Like still to this day, uh, just a, just a good song. A good song to also listen when you're driving around in your car, on top of playing Crazy Taxi. <laughs> offspring. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that song in particular is fantastic. Yeah.
1: Kind of puts you in that crazy taxi mood if you play it on the radio.
0: I mean, anybody that was like playing Crazy Taxi at the time, if you hear that song, you're immediately, you know, that's exactly where the first thing in your mind goes. Oh, crazy taxi. Get to the Pizza Hut.
1: <laughs> that was definitely one of them. That's a, uh, I mean, there were, there were a couple other really good songs. As a whole, I thought it had a really good soundtrack.
0: Keeping that theme. With Sega, next up we got Jet Ra- Jet Set Radio or Jet Grind Radio, depending on, you know, if you're talking about the Xbox game or if you're talking about the OG Dreamcast one.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I love that game. I, I, I pulled it out recently just to play it because I love Jet Set, and I wish they'd give me a new one. But as I'm replaying it again, it's, the soundtrack was so good. It was so good. It, it, it had a combination of, like, I don't want to call it hip-hop, but, like, it had that hip-hop flair uh, on a lot of the tracks. All of them were catchy. You know, I, I, I picture them in my head right now. I'm, like, seeing them in my head.
0: <laughs> yeah, they had a lot of catchy tunes. And, and Sega is supposedly, given as a new Jet Set Radio, that's what they're supposedly working on now. But I don't know what kind of game that's going to be in today's It'll probably be a live service game. It'll probably be somehow a live service game, which will be super sad.
1: Oh, man. They, that would that would just kill it right there for me. I Give me old school Jet Set Radio like we remember and like we love. I'll be so happy. Please, Sega. But I did hear they're doing a spiritual successor. We talked about that once before. I heard yeah. there's like a game similar to Jet Set but it's not just that.
0: I got to look it up. It may have came out already and I don't remember the name of the title, but I definitely need to look that up and, and find out because that's right up my alley. They, being more like, you know, the original? Heck yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And then we have one of our favorite franchises, mm-hmm. Burnout. Particularly Burnout Takedown because that introduced, I, at least with me, but I think that introduced the world to Fallout Boy with dance dance
0: this was around i mean i i knew fall out boy before that record i think i had like the album before that one came out but that was definitely when they were at their peak i mean oh yeah that, that would they were huge at that point I, I, they're still pretty popular today but not i think that was like the peak of them for sure like that record was huge it was all over everywhere it was in it it was in mm-hmm. every bar on every radio station it was everywhere
1: it was oh, it was it was everywhere. But it's it was you turn on Burnout Takedown, and like the intro had you know the car roll, riding down the street playing Fallout Boy on it. Ah, it's so so good, so good. I mean the rest of the the rest of the soundtrack again, very very good. But right. that was the one standout song from that game that everybody remembers.
0: Not to mention, it's probably, well, some people would say it's the best burnout game. I would say it's the second best. I really love Revenge. Revenge is, like, my favorite. But I definitely understand that Takedown is some people's favorites, and I can understand that.
1: Oh, man, I'm torn. I I mean, I love Takedown, but then I really liked uh, Revenge.
0: I think Revenge edges it out just because, A, I played it a lot more, but, B, Mm -hmm. it was on Xbox 360, and it just looked – at the time that it came out, it looked a billion times better because Takedown was on, you know, the original Xbox and, like, PS2 and stuff.
1: It did. Uh, I mean, I love the fact that it kept the play mechanics. They didn't change it, which was was great, but it it gave us a little bit more, especially Mm -hmm. the the, the rival factor.
0: I mean – if you're talking about music, first of all, I just want to say a quick thing. I should have said this at the beginning. There's definitely stuff we missed in here. We're not telling you that this is like the best soundtracks of every video game of all time. But if we were, if we were to say that, this probably is the best one of all time, which is probably indisputable. Mm. And uh, that's Grand Theft Auto Vice City, which had, I mean, I can't even explain how many songs were were in that game that were absolutely spectacular. Starting with, uh, you know, Um, Oh, my God.
1: Flock of seagulls, man. Flock of
0: seagulls, thank you. Oh, my God.
1: i Vice City, coming soon on PlayStation 2. Rated M for
0: Mature. I sitting there trying to remember the song, and I'm like, I, I'm thinking, like, I'm hearing, like, aha in my head, and I'm like, I know it's not aha. <laughs> I, I, I can hear, like, the... how did Pathetic that I uh, uh, messed that up.
1: I'm yeah, sorry. man, no. But I am 100% with you on this. I think one of the best soundtracks of all time has to be Vice City. Because I remember... Vice City was so popular, they released the soundtrack separately in a, I think it was four CD set?
0: Yeah, something like that.
1: Yeah, and oh man, I still have mine. I, It had such, such good songs on it. They were all licensed.
0: All different genres, all sorts of stuff, man. They had Guns N' Roses on there. It had uh, Michael Jackson on, on there. uh-huh. Yeah, Michael Jackson was on there. Everything, man.
1: Bro, it was like, well granted, Vice City took place in the 80s, and- that was like my time period Mm -hmm. so it's like the big when mtv became a thing when mtv played music um you know and it was like all those songs i remember coming home seeing all those videos so when that soundtrack came out it took me right back to the 80s
0: yeah i mean i'll I'll probably i'll try and drop it in here for you guys but just that the original commercial that was so iconic with flock of seagulls and like that was the first Mm -hmm. commercial they showed off right they had another one with gnr where you just start screaming Welcome, you know, Welcome to the Jungle starts Welcome out. It's jungle. like, Oh my god. <laughs> what what amazing commercial. Like just that music alone was just like hyped up everyone. Every everybody's already excited because GTA three was like massive, right? Mm-hmm. GTA three was like huge. And this mm-hmm. was the next evolution of that. You know, this this is like incredible. Incredible.
1: It was. It was. I, I think the soundtrack alone helped sell that game. Granted, like you said, everybody was already hyped from from three, but man, that the soundtrack on that one, people were excited, especially like the slightly older crowd who actually remembers those songs. Not only did we get a great game, we had a, a great game with an incredible soundtrack. So
0: the vibes of Scarface were like everywhere in that too. It was just like Scar, you know, it was in Miami, <laughs> like it, whatever they called it. Though. it was Vice City, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, It was a ripoff of Miami in the 80s. Yep.
1: Yep. Good stuff. Good stuff. Why don't
0: they go back there? What is wrong with them? They've gone to California about 500 times at this point. Like every other year, they're like, let's go back to California. And I get it. It's cool. There's a lot of like terrain and stuff. Like it is cool. But the 80s in Miami, just go back to Vice City, man. I don't even care. It doesn't have to be the 80s at all. It could be, I would like to see the 90s in Vice City. I think that would be pretty cool. You know?
1: That would. That would. I mean, we're talking about soundtracks. I just got to ask a question. Do you remember the soundtrack to Three at all?
0: No, not really.
1: I don't either. It's like you say soundtrack. Vice City is the first thing that comes to my mind. But then San Andreas. I know it had it, it was it had a very like, you know, Western hip hop. You know, like yeah, San, San Andreas top. was
0: very '90s. San Andreas was very yeah,
1: 90s. yeah. But the soundtrack was you know like West Coast rap and stuff like that, and it, it was it was fine. It was. But the standout is is Vice City, without a doubt. But going going back to Sega on this list, uh, we have a great game from the Genesis. Not only was the game great, but it introduced a really good techno soundtrack. It was Streets of Rage.
0: I mean, I knew, I knew about Streets of Rage. This is how this is how you know it's an amazing soundtrack. I knew songs from Streets of Rage before I ever played the game. Like, because <laughs> I played it much later. I didn't have it when I had my Genesis as a kid. I played it much later. But when I played it, I was like, I know this song, I know this song, and I just happened to hear it, like, whether it was, like, in backgrounds of YouTube videos or wherever. Like, those songs are clearly iconic if I knew them without even playing the game.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, the first time you turned it on and the very first level... And you had the music and like with, with the, the heavy bass and beat and very techno vibes. It was, it was great. Great, great, great. All the way through. The entire game had a really good soundtrack. No doubt, It's, it's definitely on my list of, of, I guess, one of the better soundtracks in video game history.
0: Now, the next one is a game that I have very little experience with. I've played it a few times. I never played it like front to back, so I don't know the soundtrack as well as you will. But this is another speaking about you know rap, parappa the rapper. <laughs> yeah, PS One. You know what?
1: Parappa the rapper didn't have like a, I don't want to like a licensed song. Let's just say okay. they were just catchy rap songs because it was a rhythm game, so you had to rap in time with the beat. Right. But it was just they. All the songs were just very, very catchy. They had that earworm effect going on. But the onion, when he's played the very first level. <laughs> you know, kick, chop, it's all in the mind. <laughs> you know, my kids loved it when I when it came out and I was playing it. They they loved it. We I played it constantly, constantly. Just because they wanted to hear the soundtrack.
0: Yeah. It's it's definitely epic for sure. Um, But to go off of what you were saying about, like, you know, the music wasn't licensed or whatever, it doesn't have to be licensed to be amazing, right? Nintendo proves that over and over and over again with the the catchy tunes that they have, the different, you know, rematched versions of songs that they have from their classic library of songs uh, within other games. But we got to give a shout out to the original Super Mario Brothers. I mean, come on. (laughs) on. Get out of here.
1: Everybody knows that song.
0: That's got to be like the like the most iconic video game music probably is from that super, you know, Mario Brothers game on the NES. It's got to be. Everybody knows that music.
1: Everybody. Everybody. Especially when the Mario movie came out and you, you know, people heard the Mario song in the the movie. It was everybody knew what it was. No doubt. You got to You got to give props to Mario Brothers. Always. But you know what? It's I have to go off the cuff. Because as we're talking, there's one game that I can't believe we left off this list that I have to mention. Because I won't be able to sleep if we don't talk about Wipeout XL.
0: Oh, yeah, man. Oh, Wipeout's great. Got Prodigy in there. Exactly.
1: You had had Chemical Brothers on there. Uh, Prodigy. He gave us Firestarter. Oh, man.
0: Top tier Prodigy song right there.
1: Wipeout XL soundtrack was so popular they released it just by itself.
0: That that's huge for back then, too. It's not like I that was. was a regularly occurring thing during the PS1 generation, you know.
1: It was, but it was it it was memorable. It had such a such an awesome soundtrack. The next topic is something we kind of touched on, and we said it's going to be a reoccurring segment. We talked about the evolution of a franchise and we talked about Prince of Persia.
0: That's right.
1: This time we're gonna talk about. One of your favorite franchises. We're going to talk about the evolution of Mario Kart.
0: I mean, Mario Kart is arguably one of the greatest racers of all time, if not the greatest racer of all time. You can dispute that all you want. I know some people don't like it, but you can just also look at the sales numbers. I mean, it, it's huge. Million sellers constantly, over, you know, multiple millions of sellers. Like the biggest game mm-hmm. on the Nintendo Switch. Get the hell out of here. It's gigantic <laughs> it's gigantic for a reason because it's fantastic um but let's talk about the evolution of it right so super mario kart started back during on the super nintendo 16-bit error call for graphics we mm-hmm. got all that good stuff
1: it was um, fun i remember when it came out it was it was different it was like okay mario in like a little racing game oh, okay cute
0: <laughs> you know but it was fun Look, my neighbor had it next door. I didn't have a Super Nintendo, until later on, I had it. I was a Genesis kid, but whenever I went over to his house, that was a go-to. Like Mario Kart was probably the number one game we played over there. Mm. That like Mario World and some other stuff, but Mario Kart was like a constant. Like battle mode racing, it didn't matter. It's fun every day of the week.
1: Yeah, it was. It was fun. Like I said, it was. It was. It was different at the time. It was like, huh? Okay, this is. This is actually pretty fun.
0: Yeah, this one was in 2D. It had a Grand Prix mode, time trials, and a battle mode. Uh, before I go any further, I just want to say that when I was doing some research for this, just to, just to bring back like everything, I did use an article uh, by Gabrielle Cast- Castania, and it was via thegamer.com. The article settled Mario Kart, how the game has changed over the last 30 years. So if you guys want to find some more information on it, that's where I got a lot of the details of this from. I already knew some of it, but I just wanted to make sure... I could speak to it, you know, a little bit better than just my mind from from memory alone, you know. Mario Kart 64 introduced colorful 3D graphics, and it had improved terrain. Um, You know, it wasn't just, like, a flat surface anymore. Interactable backgrounds, and it also introduced weight classes, which were cool. Four-player mode, which is awesome, above the two-player mode that the Super Nintendo had. Now I was going to say, that was it. Four-player, you know, having... Okay, so we had Goldeneye...
1: Multiplayer on the sixty-four. And then we got Mario Kart four
0: player. Four oh, player. So... Look, that's I the, the four player mode in, in the N sixty four is probably the biggest reason I love it. Granted, I love their single player games too, but mm-hmm. hopping on there playing Bond, four player mode, Mario mm-hmm. Kart four player mode, dude. And that's when, hours of fun.
1: That's when people actually Came over each other's houses to play games.
0: <laughs> oh it was yeah, fun. no online. You got to no come online. Over. You got to bring your friends. Drag them in the house. Let's do this, man. Let's do this. a lot of
1: trash talking. It was it was great. It was great, but definitely a big leap forward from the Super Nintendo to the Nintendo sixty four Mario Kart, which is to be expected. More powerful system, more colorful graphics. Gameplay, you know, playing with the controller took a minute just to get used to because you had a little analog,
0: but you got used to it. Yeah, th- this was a huge increase over Super Mario Kart. I love mm-hmm. the original Super Mario Kart, but this was vastly superior in just about every single way. One thing that did get introduced that's still with the series that uh, some people can't stand is the rubber banding effect where, uh, you know, <laughs> the computer players will not let you get too far without, you know, snapping back up and giving you a run for your money. Which I kind of understand, like you don't want to dominate it so badly that you're just cruising through, like you know, constantly, and like you have no competition if you're playing a you know single player mode or something. But it's also like if you're doing really good, how come they magically do better all of a sudden? You know, it's, kind of, it's <laughs> uh,
1: so, so. Okay, before we go any further, I just want to clarify and get your opinion on Mario Kart. Would you classify it as? combat
0: racing because it does have weapons yeah i guess kind of I mean you weapons are such a big part of mario kart if you didn't have mm-hmm. the weapons it would not be near if you didn't have the weapons i probably wouldn't care for the game nearly as much as i do
1: okay it would just be a standard racing game because like wipeout we, we we talked about wipeout wipeout was a combat racing game
0: yeah yeah so, you have weapons you know. and stuff yeah, right. man.
1: I so, was so just wondering, some people, you know, may not classify that as a as a combat racer, but
0: I think I do because I think Blur is very similar to Mario Kart. Blur's also fantastic, but it's like, you know, they have weapons and stuff. It's mm-hmm. a racing game, but they have weapons and stuff, so it has like that Mario Kart feel and Those games are my favorite, like those those ones and like Burnout. Like those Arcadey style racer games, and then you, you throw some weapons in there, oh boy. We're having a good time. <laughs>
1: where do we go from there?
0: Uh, you got Super Mario Kart Circuit. This is a GBA game. Wes, an interesting stat that I found out in this article, which I was not aware of. Or at least I didn't realize it. I had this game. It was fantastic. Uh, so this was before DLC. Mm-hmm. Uh, before the DLC uh, that was given to Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Super Circuit had the most tracks. Really? The most tracks. Isn't that crazy? It had 40 tracks
1: on the on the GBA version. Yes, I mean I still have mine and I played I played it a lot back then, but I never kept track of how many tracks it had. I didn't think it had that many.
0: 40. It had. I think it had 20, and you had to unlock the other 20, but it had 40 total, which was the most until Mario Kart 8 Deluxe added DLC, which is crazy to think about. Uh, this also introduced a quick run mode. Which customize it allows you to customize rules before uh, starting a race, but that was a fantastic game. I love that Mario Kart on GBA. I played that quite often.
1: I did too. It was it was fun. It was a lot of fun.
0: Then we move on to Double Dash, which is some people say that it's their favorite Mario Kart game. They're like, "Oh my god, this is the best one! I can't wait." You got you guys got to bring back the Double Dash style. I'm not that crazy about Double Dash. It's fine. It's fine.
1: I, I, It's Mario Kart. I, I mean, I, I didn't... It, it's Mario Kart. It, it's like, I don't want to say you either love it or hate it, but it it kept a lot of the essence of the Nintendo 64 one. Um, Just made it a lot prettier. Sure. Uh, controls a little tighter. Uh, You know, I, I mean, it was fine. It was Mario Kart. So at, at this point, this is like, what, I guess our fourth Mario Kart? cart game since introduction?
0: Um if you count the yeah one, two, three, four, yeah. Fourth yeah. one. Okay. Um, so
1: why why isn't it your favorite? What don't you like about
0: it? I, I can't t- I couldn't even tell you. I just I remember playing it and just being like just not into it as much as the sixty four one. Not even close. But I did have other systems at that time, which is a problem too. Like before this period of time, I always just had like, you know, one system. Like I had an N64 for most of the life cycle, I got a PS1 super late. And then I got a PS2, a Dreamcast, an Xbox, and a GameCube. I had all of them. So I had a lot of stuff to play. So I'm sure other things were capturing my attention. But before Mario Kart would come out and that would be like a centerpiece to, you know, I would play it for years. But this one was just like, came, played it a few weeks, and it was gone. I don't know why. It just didn't catch my attention that much. But it did have up to 15 players, which most people don't realize. that the GameCube had a LAN uh, adapter option, and you can play up to 15 players with this if you did that. Uh, the unique features were two players would occupy one vehicle, and one player drove as a, the second one was in charge of items. So that's how you would uh, play the game. It always had two players in your cart.
1: That was okay. That was actually pretty fun. The the two players in one cart.
0: That was fun. It was cool. It was kind of gimmicky though. It's like this. This is unnecessary, you know. But it was it was fine. It's a fine game. Mario Kart DS was next, which was another fantastic handheld entry. This introduced two screens. Obviously, you could play up to eight players uh, locally. Each player needed a copy of the the game, which. St- pissed off some people because i remember at that time they had the ability where one person could have a cart and like two or three or four people could play a game but Mario cart no everybody had
1: to have a, a copy of the original game
0: that's right you all need to get a copy <laughs> oh
1: no come on mamma mia favore.
0: donna kao shita yatsu Seminal thing for this, though, this was the first time you could play Mario Kart through the internet, mm-hmm. and you could uh, you could do that, um, or you could play locally, like I just mentioned. This had two screens, so uh, you would obviously race on the top screen, and the bottom uh, screen could show you a couple different things. You could, you know, opt to have it show you an overview of the course or a bird's eye view. Of uh, your immediate surroundings, so you can kind of switch what the lower screen has, which is kind of convenient. You can see where people are, you know, in relative to you, if they're like, you know, you're close to catching up to someone, or if you're further away, without having to look at like a mini map or something like that. Uh, then we got Mario Kart Wii.
1: Man, Mario Kart. When the Wii came out, Mario Kart sold millions.
0: This was, but I think before the Switch version, this was the biggest selling Mario Kart game of all time. Uh, the Switch version of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is now the biggest selling game of all time. But, dude, that Mario Kart on the Wii, sh- people, like, don't talk about it as much anymore. That was such a great Mario Kart game. Phenomenal it, Mario it Kart It
1: was. Game. It was. And the big, the big leap was the Wii controller because it, it came, Mario came with, like, a controller attachment.
0: hmm steering, steering wheel. The plastic wheel. steering wheel.
1: Yep, that you put your controller in. Everybody's arms were tired because you were literally, like, steering it. And by the time the race was over, your arms were, like, super tired. But, oh, so much fun.
0: So much fun. This is important because this is one instance where the motion controls worked very well. Like, uh, like if I just told you they had motion controls and you'd never played it before, you'd be like, that sounds like ass. You know, (laughs) it's got to be terrible. But, (laughs) But it worked really, really well.
1: It did. It did.
0: I almost want to go back and play that version again. I bet you I would still have a blast with it today. I bet you I would. Almost guarantee it. Uh, That version also had uh, introduced bikes for the first time. You got motorbikes in there. And then a mode called coin rotors, which is an optional mode. Uh, It's a team-based multiplayer mode that saw players speeding around tracks attempting to collect coins. Mm -hmm. Then we got Mario Kart 7 on the 3DS. I didn't have a 3DS. Never have. Still don't have it, unfortunately. I would like to get one, but they're kind of expensive now, and I don't feel like... Purchasing a bunch of games for another system. I don't need it. Um, but it is supposed to be pretty good. Uh, there were two big additions in this version. It had subaquatic vehicles for the first time. Uh, so you could race underwater. And then it introduced the hang gliders. Uh, you see those things in uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe now. But this was where it started.
1: Yeah. I-, I picked up a 3DS recently. When I say recently, within the past year. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mario Kart. I found a copy of a boxed copy of Mario Kart, so I did scoop that up. Heck yeah. It's fun. It was. It's
0: it's fun. It's good. It's like you said. It's Mario Kart. Is that the worst? The worst case it could be is good. It's like the it, worst exactly. worst case scenario. Like like my feelings towards Double Dash. It wasn't bad at all. It was good, but it just didn't blow my mind like some of the other versions did. You know.
1: Yeah, Mario Kart will always be Mario Kart, which is a good thing.
0: Now we get to Mario Kart Eight, which was on the Wii U. Eventually, this came to the the Switch as Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Mm -hmm. And after that, in the past uh, year or so, they've added a thing called the um, Booster Course Pass. So the game started out with 32 tracks on the Wii U. Uh, DLC came to the Wii U version, adding 16 tracks. That version with the 16 plus 32 tracks was the Deluxe Edition for the Switch. Now with the Booster Course, they've added 48 more tracks. So now this is the biggest Mario Kart of all time. Basically, they have, you know, nearly every relevant track that's ever been in in a Mario Kart Mm. game. Oh, yeah. Um, The gameplay is absolutely spectacularly. It looks better than ever. Um, I mean, the graphics have improved over the Wii U version. There's bonus racers, you know, additional racers now Mm -hmm. that weren't in the, the Wii U version. Different items and abilities have come back. I mean, this really is the definitive version of Mario Kart. Like, I would be fine if the next Switch comes out and they are like, hey, you know that Mario Kart with the Booster Pass and all the DLC? Here's everything in one package, $60. Go ahead, Nintendo. You can take another $60 from me in a few <laughs> more years. But what I would love them to do is just keep that, and say, here it is, $60. Here's all the Booster Pack courses. Here's everything. And then like a year later, I wanted to be like, here's 20 more tracks and just yeah. keep adding to that. I keep adding tracks. Don't ever make another Mario Kart. Just keep adding to this one. That's all I want you to do.
1: Okay, so with that being said, what would you like to see in a new Mario Kart game? We we said Mario Kart is great. Mario Kart is Mario Kart. It's always going to be great. But if the new Nintendo system comes out and they give us Mario Kart, what would you like to see in the next Mario Kart
0: game? Additional characters that are not from Nintendo that mm-hmm. make sense to be somewhat in that environment. And I'll I'll give you an example. I don't want to see Captain Marvel in Mario Kart. That's stupid. Okay. Give me weird things. Give me like a Tom and Jerry. Throw that in Mario Kart. That makes sense. The classic cartoons that are like really not on the Cartoon Network mm-hmm. anymore. Throw some of those characters in there. That makes more sense for Mario Kart. Nickelodeon characters makes more sense for Mario Kart. But I don't want to see superheroes. For God's sakes, I don't want to see a single superhero in Mario Kart. (laughs) No, no, definitely not. But you get what I'm saying, though, right? Give me Ren and Stimpy. Holy crap. Give me Ren and Stimpy in Mario Kart.
1: (laughs) Or Beavis and Butthead.
0: Give me Beavis and Butthead. (laughs) That's all I want. I mean, what, what else do you really want? I mean, keep making great design courses you mm-hmm. know and give me more characters, more customizable thing. I mean, you can customize the wheels now, you can customize your cart, you can put yep. customize your hang glider. I mean I don't know what else I don't really want anything else. You know what is fun though? I did play this once that I played a uh, Mario Kart in the arcade. That mm-hmm. is spectacular. Lots of fun. I've seen it at uh
1: the place down here, uh, Lucky Snake, but I have not played it. For oh, it's Someone's always on it. <laughs> Sounds like oh.
0: a. There's a reason someone's always on it. It's fantastic having a wheel, having all that stuff. I mean, really, if they can make the motion controls like work really well, I'd probably, mm-hmm. I'd probably do that again. I think you can actually do that on the Switch version, um, but I haven't tried it, so maybe I should give that a shot. Okay. What would you want?
1: Oh man, you know what? I, if there's nothing I could think of. I mean, you hit it perfectly when you said extra characters that make sense because mario kart 8 or on the switch gives us everything we ever needed Mhm. I, I really after that i can't i can't think of anything else i really can't
0: no and there's no reason for them to change everything but can you imagine now after having all of this a new switch comes out and it's a, supposedly if you guys didn't know if you, you know i'm sure most of you know if you're watching this but 2024 is the rumor now like by second quarter of 2024 the new switch will be out or whatever they're going to call it. Right. Can you imagine if they're like, "Here's a new Mario Kart. It has 12 tracks and 16 characters." What the hell is that? You can't you can't do that to me. Not after this. I was, no,
1: not after not after 8. No.
0: It it would be like if Smash Brothers came out after this last one, after Smash Brothers Ultimate and they were like, we have forty characters to start with. People would lose their minds. What do you mean forty characters? <laughs> You've had like eighty-seven in the last one. What do you mean forty? You know, like I don't know. That's why I yeah. also don't, I also don't think they should make a new Smash Brothers. They should just take Ultimate, maybe add some new characters in it. Get the you know the license for all those characters mm. back. You guys don't need to do anything else. Just copy paste and add some stuff. That's it.
1: Oh, but, you know, everything's a money grab. I could see them doing by way of, like, Killer Instinct or Dead or Alive, where they'll give you a core set of characters, and then you have to buy the character expansion packs to get more characters. I I could see that being a thing.
0: I mean, I hope not. I think you're probably right.
1: And and I I could see that being a thing for Mario Kart. It's like, I could see them giving us, when the new Mario Kart comes out, giving us X amount of tracks, X amount of characters, X amount of carts. And then you have to buy the next expansion to get more tracks, more characters, and then they'll just they'll keep making their money that way.
0: We'll see. I hope not, but you're probably right. I mean, look look at what they do with the retro games. They slowly leak them out for a subscription service now when they, we once had a virtual console, which we were paying for, by the way. People were paying mm-hmm. for games on virtual console and they had no problem with it, but you had such a breadth to choose from. You had everything on there. Now you have like no choice. They're just like, hey, pay us this money every month and we'll give you a couple games. Here's a few more. Here's a little taste. Yep. And you don't get to pick what it is. It's there for you automatically. I think it's fine. I think what you, the money you pay for, they're giving you some quality stuff. But I'd much rather have a virtual console where you give me all sorts of things from all sorts of consoles over time. And I could just buy what I want.
1: Agreed. It would
0: also be nice if those things came with me. If I could still play those virtual (laughs) consoles. That would be kind of cool if you stopped pulling that crap. I could play my original Xbox game still. Come on, Nintendo. (laughs) Make Matt happy. (laughs) They're just going to take more of my money. They always do. Alright, guys. So There you have it. That's the Evolution of Mario Kart. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Again, quick shout out uh, to thegamer.com. That's where we got a lot of the information from. Go over there to check out more about Mario Kart's evolution. Now, the main topic we have the, for the show, this is like the the big one, I would say, is what constitutes a gaming generation. Uh, Wes had brought this topic up. His son actually brought it up to him. Who Wes brought it up to me. And Wes and I were both kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> this might be all right. But then we started looking at like the, a Wikipedia list that actually tells us you know, this generation is this, this, and this. So we're gonna use that list from Wikipedia, which you can all go look up as a baseline and say that this is the standard generation according to the people. And we're gonna dispute some of that and we're gonna agree with some of it. We're just gonna go through it basically. Before we get into like, do we agree with what's in here and do we disagree? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Wes, what are some key features that you would look at as constituting a generation?
1: Well, when my son actually asked me this question, I'm like, well, first of all, my son thinks too much because he just comes out when he does think it's like you get something profound. I'm like, he asked me, he's like, so dad, let me ask you a question. You've gained for a long time. What What is a generation to you? I'm like, I don't know. I said, like, I to think about that. And but I he, really thought
0: about it. <laughs> he asked it the right way, though. What is a generation to you? Because you could ask 100 people this and they could all give you a different answer. That's why- right. we- We're using the wikipedia list as a baseline to like say this is what the people say and then this is what we have to say about it so go ahead i'm sorry
1: yeah now the one thing that that after i thought about it i said you know uh, would be the advancement in technology because every Mm -hmm. time technology changes i believe we go into a new generation of consoles
0: sure you get that power boost you get that graphics boost i mean Mm -hmm. You see it a lot with older stuff now. I think we've kind of tapered off a little bit with at least visuals, right? With with visuals, you know, there's Xbox 360 games that look pretty damn good still. You know, I I don't think they look perfect compared to modern games, but they still look pretty damn good. Whereas, great, you compare an Atari 2600 game to an NES game, it's like, oh my god, like what? (laughs) What the hell is this?
1: (laughs) Yeah, the first the first thing pops into my head when you say that is for the Atari 2600, you had Adventure, which was a pseudo-role-playing game, but the dragons look like ducks. <laughs> <laughs> and you're this little square. But then, you know, we go to Nintendo, you know, 8-bit or Super Nintendo, and dragons actually kind of look like dragons. <laughs>
0: yeah, no doubt.
1: You know, big boost in technology and, and, and graphics. And so, but yeah, that, at that point, we're talking about two different generations of consoles.
0: Right. It's not fair to really compare the twenty six hundred to the NES because the NES had so much more power. It could they couldn't possibly be the same. No way.
1: But how does that sound? Like the NES had so much more power. Like the <laughs> the NES. Especially mean, compared, yeah. compared to today, it's like, wow,
0: like really? At that time at that time it did
1: though. Yes, it did. At that time it did. When you for, go back for, and about, about
0: it. for about that long. <laughs> And then the Turbo Graphics came out in Japan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, so what? That's one, one of the things that I look at when we talk about defining a generation is, you know, how often the technology changed.
0: I got to correct generation. myself. PC Engine was in Japan. Turbo Graphics was in the U.S.
1: It was in America. Yep. So now, nah, now, nah. so that was that was it for me. That was like the one thing that I told them. Um, what about what about you? What's what? Stands out for you as far as defining a generation.
0: Physically, the way things are sometimes. So, like a big, a big change was uh, moving away from cartridges. Everything was disc-based, right? And then disc-based now is like digital only, and discs are becoming like extinct for the most part. They're still around, you know. There are still physical games. Um, or an interesting one is like Nintendo going from cartridges to discs. And basically now back to the cartridges with the DS. Well, I'll, I'll give it, you know, or I'm sorry, the DS and like the Switch, you know, they're, they are like cartridges, but they're just like memory cards. You know? <laughs> Yeah. They look like memory cards are tiny. You know, the DS was that way. The 3DS that way, the Switch mm-hmm. is that way. So they kind of reverted back. They were like, all right, we'll do this disc thing. And they were like, all right, that's enough. <laughs> like Pretty quickly went back.
1: Yeah, man. And then, you know, we talk about the change from, from 2D to 3D, you know, older generations, everything was, 2D was two dimensional. It was, was you, it was, and it was fine. And I, I miss 2D. I really do. You know. And then we got into like the, I guess the start of 3D with Wolfenstein and Duke Nukem and Doom and stuff. And then everything started to shift to a new generation of 3D games. Like everything had to be 3D. But yeah, that's again, that's just another benchmark when we talk about generations
0: yeah so those are the things that you know some of the things that define them for us but let's let's hop into this wikipedia list and talk basically we're just going to look at it say if we agree disagree add some context and just move forward uh the first generation according to this list is from 1972 to 1980 uh, it includes the odyssey atari pong coleco telestar mm-hmm. and that's it i guess i wasn't alive then so this is really hard for me to say like <laughs> I'm going to have to defer to Wes on this. Sure. I'm going to say sure. That's the first generation.
1: You know what? Yes, I I would agree because I had my Magnavox Odyssey, which was basically just a bunch of variations of Pong. But to me, that would be the start of the first generation because it introduced everybody to video games, period.
0: Yeah, I mean, this really was like a version of Pong and what you would do, you would have the old CRT. You would... Mm -hmm. uh have these overlays and you would have to place them on the screen and that would make the screen look different. And then you'd have the, like the pong ball to play whatever the the game showed you on the the overlay. Is that correct?
1: The Odyssey didn't, the Odyssey just hooked up. I mean, there were some systems that, that did exactly what you said with the overlay. I thought
0: the Odyssey had overlays. no,
1: no, the one I didn't. It, we just hooked it up, you know, with the RF adapter and stuff, and turned it on, and mm. and and you just had the controller, and you just kind of picked what variation of pong you wanted to play, and that was it. That was simple, man.
0: <laughs> maybe it was the Odyssey too. Then I I could have sworn one of those Odysseys had overlays, but maybe I'm thinking of Odyssey too. Maybe that's possible.
1: Could be, could be. I I just remembering the one I had. Um, it was it was basic, but. At any rate it still that started that was the first generation of of consoles.
0: Right. And Atari just had Pong at that time. It was Atari's version of Pong, right? Which oh, was Pong. probably that was probably one of the most popular ones, correct? It was the Atari uh, Pong version?
1: That was it. And then we get into the second generation, which according to Wikipedia, ran from nineteen seventy six to nineteen ninety two. So there's a little bit of overlap between Gen 1 and or, and Gen 2. Right.
0: But... You're going to see that as a frequent thing, too. A lot of these generations are going to have some overlap, and it's just because that mm-hmm. console continued to make games while, you know, new consoles came out.
1: Yeah, because in the second generation of consoles, you had the Atari 2600, the Odyssey 2, you had Intellivision, and you had ColecoVision. Yep. So, you know... Out of out of that list, the Atari 2600 was was the king. Mm-hmm. I think everybody had an Atari. Everybody, you know, and television came out. My friend had an television, and we played back and forth. He'd come to my house play my Atari. I'd go to his house play in television. But he wound up spending most of my t- his time at my house because he liked the Atari better.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't have much experience with any of these except for the 2600. So, I mean, I, my default would be that was probably the best one. It Also, sold the best. So it was probably for a reason it probably was superior not to say that those other consoles didn't have any games i do want to give a quick shout out to the to the channel f um that was the first console that introduced cartridge based games where it didn't have just whatever was on the console this gave you the ability mm-hmm. to put in cartridges and play different games so that was like huge
1: i don't remember channel f i don't remember that at all
0: uh i again i i've never played one i didn't own one um but I just know that that was the first console that had cartridges.
1: Okay. The gentleman I mean, I... who
0: made them—he passed away, um, like within the past few years. Um, Google even had him on their main page, and I—I I can't remember his name right now, but obviously, he's someone of you know huge importance in the industry. Industry. Okay. Okay.
1: You know, I, and then we had uh, the ColecoVision, which I wound up getting later because it had Donkey Kong on it, and I—I I Donkey Kong. Everybody knows I love the arcade and I love Donkey Kong. So Did that version seeing, play
0: better than the Atari twenty eight hundred or twenty six hundred oh, version.
1: Man, leaps and bounds better. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> it, it. I can't even. I can't even express how different the Coleco version of Donkey Kong was than the Atari. He looked like Donkey Kong.
0: <laughs> Did the Coleco version have like was it like eight bit graphics? Was it like an, a huge improvement over Atari or was it about the same?
1: No, it was it was big improvement.
0: It was a big improvement. Okay, I didn't. Know
1: oh that. yeah, yeah. I mean, looking back at it now, I mean, compared to like the Atari 2600, yeah, it was big, big difference. Hmm. You know, but that was what we had, and just seeing, you know, the ColecoVision graphics compared to Atari 2600, it was it was a difference. It was a difference. But the Atari still was the most popular.
0: Yeah, it, it certainly was. It it beat out everything at that that point. Until the video game crash happened and Atari kind of waned a little bit. And then a little company called Nintendo came in and changed all that and brought back the entire industry that they thought was a fad. And obviously, video games are bigger than ever today. They're bigger than movies. You know, they're the biggest entertainment industry in the world, essentially. And Nintendo did that during this 8-bit generation, which was from 1983 to 2003, according to Wikipedia. I'm going to say that again, according to Wikipedia. <laughs> and I think the reason you see 2003 is there was probably like some random company releasing like an NES game in 2003 because they was like, oh, I want to make an NES game. And it probably got some officially licensed thing or something. I don't know. But there you have it. Okay. So the Master System was alive in like Brazil forever. So that could have been a, it was probably a Master System game.
1: Okay. Because I was going to say, I definitely do not agree that this third generation of consoles lasted until 2003. Yeah. I would give it, I would give it maybe 2000, I'm not 2000, 1987, 88, maybe 89, maybe 89, only because the Nintendo was, man, the Nintendo was unstoppable. And it sold forever.
0: Kind of with you, uh, the Turbo graphics came out in like in the US, I want to say it was like 87-ish somewhere around there 87 88 but the genesis would be the 89 and that for me that's got to be the next generation right so turbo graphics slash genesis the beginning of the 16-bit error talking about that right that's got to be the beginning right that's got to be where the changeover takes place so you can say it was till 2003 that's fine i'm just no you're wrong <laughs> there's no oh, way yeah.
1: no because in the 3rd gen we had we had the NES, we had the Sega Master System and then technically we had the Atari 7800. Atari was still trying to hang in there.
0: Yeah, um, it was trying. You know.
1: <laughs> uh, you, you, I you know what, the Master System, I loved the Master System. I really did. Um, it just couldn't keep up with Nintendo. It it really couldn't keep up with Nintendo. Uh but it had it had Sega on it. So you had
0: I would have taken a Master System over a 7800, that's for sure.
1: Uh, You know what? Okay, I'm kind of torn. I mean, I definitely love my Master System, but I also had a 7800. And again, it was about the arcade experience. And Atari had the rights to a lot of arcade hits.
0: Okay, I get that.
1: So... You know, the 7800... But, but wasn't that, controller, button,
0: wasn't that the controller, like, absolute trash? Wasn't it that... Yeah, it was. I know one of the Atari systems was, and I think it was that one, right?
1: I have not believe it was that one. It was oh. that of the 5200. But yeah, one of them was garbage.
0: Could have, could have been the 5200. But one of those, I, I've seen the controller, I was like, what the hell is this monstrosity?
1: <laughs> but yeah, man, we had the, the 8-bit error, you know, with the master system and... I loved it. You had Sega on there. I mean the Nintendo, like I said, just couldn't be stopped because Nintendo had every game imaginable on their platform.
0: Oh, huge huge library at yeah. that time. Its library is like this big now compared to you know the <laughs> amount of games that come out every month. But uh yeah, that, that library was fantastic. Um, fourth generation, like I mentioned, was a sixteen-bit generation, Turbo mm-hmm. Graphics Genesis, Neo Geo Super NES. So the Neo Geo is an odd, the oddball out, in my opinion. I uh, agree. Uh, I don't know, man. Like this might be, yeah, it came out early, but it was all... wasn't the Neo Geo like eight hundred dollars or something.
1: It was super expensive. It was yeah. super expensive. But then, okay, we got we got Turbo Graphics, Genesis, Neo Geo, Super NES.
0: Right. Um, They they all make sense, except I'm kind of disputing the super, I'm sorry, the Neo Geo, just because I feel like, I don't know, I feel like it was way more powerful (laughs) than all three of those other systems.
1: Yeah. um, Well, it was, it really was. But, so, okay, so we're saying, Wikipedia is saying the fourth generation existed from 1987 to 2004. Well, that's wrong. We we don't agree with that right. at all. But where does the 3DO fit in? Because if you're going to put the Neo Geo in the fourth gen...
0: Oh, that's not even on this list. I just not- realized that. I think the 3DO probably fits in there, though. I think it's got to be part of that fourth gen. I, I would throw that
1: in there, too, because that was, on, that was at the time the most powerful system available. But it was just godly expensive.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Um, but you, I mean, that was that 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 was starting the height of video gaming. Games were fun, man. The Turbo Graphics really didn't get a whole lot of love, except for Splatterhouse and a few other uh, standouts. But the Genesis and the Super NES, bro, come on, man, that was gaming bliss right there. Well, the one thing I noticed that so far, we're we're in the fourth generation. Again, turbo graphics, Genesis neo Geo, 3do, super Nest. Um, and just kind of like I pointed out earlier, the advancement in technology from the first gen up to this point till now holds true. New technology mm-hmm. new generation mm-hmm. new consoles
0: right Now we're on to the fifth generation where things start to change a little bit so. This is an interesting generation because there's a a clear distinction that Wes is probably alluding to a minute ago, which is two of the three consoles in this generation, according to Wikipedia, are 32-bit, and one of them is 64-bit, which is, of course, the Nintendo 64, PlayStation 1, and Sega Saturn, Saturn and PlayStation being 32-bits and N64 being 64-bits, when Nintendo once cared about power, which is clearly not the case any longer.
1: Oh, and you know what? We can't forget the Atari Jaguar.
0: I was thinking that just in my head a minute ago. I was like, I wonder if that when that came out though, did that come out like it must have came out after ninety three? It had to fit within this window of time.
1: It, it, it was in this definitely within this window.
0: Why is it not on here? What's wrong with Wikipedia?
1: I don't know who made this list. That's why they got guys like us to kind of go through it and, and, and dissect it.
0: Yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely some flaws. Obviously, like, I didn't expect this to be perfect or anything. We didn't look over this in detail ahead of time. We just kind of used it as a baseline to to, to have our conversation around. But, mm-hmm. Jesus. No no Atari Jaguar, no 3DO, and no – what was the other one? Uh, missing something else, wasn't it?
1: Well, I mean, no 32X or Sega CD, but
0: – True.
1: But still, though, I would say those would still fall under – the fourth generation because they were just enhancements to the existing console.
0: Sure. They weren't like
1: a new system. So. But yeah, no man, fifth gen, there's no Atari Jaguar, but Saturn, PlayStation 64, Atari Jaguar. Increasing in technology, increase in power, increasing graphics, especially with the introduction of the PlayStation.
0: Yeah, having the, you know, 3D graphics for the first time. The Saturn is a weird hybrid. Let's mention that for a second because the Saturn was like you know, we talked about it before. Mm-hmm. It, it was really, you know, in a, a, a next version, you know, a successor to what was the, the Genesis slash thirty-two X slash mm-hmm. Legacy, you know, whatever the hell else they had. It was really a successor to that, and it was really made to do two D. And I think through the development, they realized three D was going to be bigger, and they started changing a bunch of stuff to mm-hmm. make it three D compatible. Which is also why it's one of the hardest systems to emulate for, because the. It, it, Internals are so strange. But you got... The Saturn actually does have quite a lot of 2D stuff and a lot of 3D stuff as well. It it did do both.
1: It did. It did. I mean, we talked about it once before. You know, back then, word had it that Sega got hold of the specs for the PlayStation and saw what it had in Under the Hood and got scared and went back and threw a hodgepodge of 3D chips and, you know. But if, if you compared the two... Side by side, the PlayStation definitely did a much better job with with 3D games. No doubt. Um, But 2D, Saturn was king. X-Men, Children of the Atom on the Saturn and on the PlayStation played totally different. The Saturn destroyed it.
0: It just depends on what you were looking at, too. Because then if you look at games like the N64 to the PlayStation, those were dramatically different also. Granted, the the 64 had twice the power the PlayStation Mm -hmm. did, but, you know, the 64 people would always pin it oh it has cartoony graphics and it really did it really really did like even the stuff that looked realistic still kind of looked cartoony where playstation like for the first time like looked pretty dang (laughs) at that time pretty dang realistic you know what i mean (laughs) not now but but that back then it did
1: but 64 gave me killer instinct so i was
0: happy (laughs) i mean 64 is the greatest system of all time everybody knows that you're wearing the shirt don't deny it wes
1: <laughs> eh, 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 you know i don't know man as much as i i have a love-hate relationship with playstation i i i, I don't know man the playstation changed the
0: game they really
1: did they yeah. defined that generation no
0: doubt i i had a ps1 late and i was like kind of into it I was like there's some cool stuff here but it was really ps2 for me where i became a playstation fan i was like oh my god man. i just remember like i had a GameCube, a ps2 and an xbox and I would buy some games from my Xbox because they were more powerful. I would buy mm-hmm. all my first-party Nintendo stuff on the GameCube, obviously. And then, like, just the PS2's library was so exceptional. I would just go... You could so find so much cool, weird stuff on that library that that was my system of choice. I was constantly buying games for my PS1. Constantly. Yeah. Or PS2. Sorry. PS2.
1: Okay. But I'm just... This that's just you know I keep thinking about the fifth generation and, and, and you know just us reminiscing and bro takes me back but seeing stuff like like Rayman mm-hmm. for the first time on on any console Saturn Jaguar PlayStation it looked fantastic
0: hand painted so, so did Tomb Raider like Tomb Raider CD looked platform.
1: awesome oh back in the day yeah Tomb Raider looked great Resident Evil two for PlayStation
0: oh man Resident Evil looked <sighs> You you thought games were never going to look better than Resident Evil, man. You were like, "This is amazing. This is no, it's never going to get better." Than I mean, it looks like crap now, but it, like that was like, <laughs> "It's never going to get better than this."
1: Yeah, yeah. It. I mean, there's definitely some Symphony of the Night.
0: Oh my god! I mean, again, that, we're
1: we're talking two D, but it still looked fantastic and played fantastic.
0: But those two D games still look fantastic. Yes, they, they do. Look the three D ones are kind of ugly now, but those two D ones still look good.
1: They do. They do, you know. Then we move into the sixth gen, which is when, I guess, video gaming got serious because <laughs> we got the Dreamcast, PlayStation 2, GameCube, and Xbox. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Lots of goodness all around.
1: Oh, goodness all around, all around. And and we got four incredible systems in in the 6th gen. Granted, the Dreamcast didn't last long. It breaks did. my heart. Breaks my heart. It really did. I it's I wish it could have hung around sooner longer, but you know, it is what it is. You know, Xbox is technically the Dreamcast successor. I don't care what anybody True. says. <laughs> but they started it, making it,
0: all a bunch of games for them, you know. They did have a couple GameCube ones too, but they really Xbox was like their best friend once. Oh yeah, yeah they just man. They're making hardware.
1: You know, but then we got PlayStation 2 which just picked up where the last gen left off. You know, GameCube. It just it's such goodness. Such such goodness. I mean, the, you know, they're saying the time period is 1998 to
0: 2013 because again, they probably are counting like some random game that got officially published like later on.
1: Yeah. But I don't agree with the dates, but we can agree that this is definitely the sixth generation going forward and again mm-hmm. it's the increase in technology because we got the rise of online gaming
0: mm-hmm. dreamcast started that
1: we got you know the introduction of back then high definition graphics
0: yep this is the xbox had the first ones that had component cables and then eventually mm-hmm. gamecube did so did ps2
1: yep we got the introduction of of hard drives in consoles so i mean Again, it it goes back to increase in technology, advancement in technology, new generation. So this is, yep. oh, this is, that's I don't man. So far, we okay. We talked about six generations so far. Up to this point, what's your favorite generation?
0: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, uh, I'd have to give it some more thought. Uh, I mean. The N64 is like my favorite console of all time. But this generation is a contender just because I I had all those systems. Mm -hmm. And this was the first time in my life where I was working like regularly and I could afford everything. You know, I had every console for the first time. So I played all sorts of stuff. So this generation is very special, the sixth generation. Um, But... It might be this point. Uh, it could also be the 16-bit error when I had the Genesis. That was like super special for me. Okay, but it's, so it's talking... really hard. It's really hard to say.
1: Okay, you're talking about the fourth generation. Okay, I, you know, I mean, I can't answer it either. I mean, so far, like, I live in fourth, fifth, and sixth generation of consoles. Mm-hmm. Those were my my favorite, but I don't think I have right now. Up to this point. Uh, a favorite generation
0: at this point i don't know yeah I like. it's just
1: tough it's tough but yeah no i definitely live within four fifth and six so far um i really enjoyed the sixth generation but i have a lot of fond memories of the fourth and fifth too
0: yeah i like different aspects of them all but the, the sixth generation at the very least is very very special very special
1: oh yes Then Then we move on to Gen 7.
0: That's right. This is Xbox 360, PS3, and the Wii. I want to start out by saying the Wii was very short-lived. I I had about two or three years where I was all about the Wii. I was like, this is exciting. We have motion controls. It's something new. And it was. It really was. But eventually, I had a handful of games that I loved, and that was it. (laughs) That that was the Wii. (laughs) Here's like 10 games that are Fantastic. I don't care about anything else on the system. <laughs> I still mm-hmm. kind of feel that way, too. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying there's not good games in the system. Let me, let me be clear. I'm sure there's plenty of good games. I'm sure I could discover some good games. But there was so much shovelware. And I didn't feel like shoveling oh, through that. the shovelware to get to the good stuff. It was just like, okay, Nintendo made this game. All right, I'll buy it. Oh, this game is supposed to be fantastic. All right, I'll buy it.
1: I, people were just putting stuff out just to put it out. And it sold. Because it was on the Wii.
0: And the motion control gimmick, it it wore off. After like three, did. three or four years, people were like, I'm done. I'm done with it. I don't want to get up anymore. I just want to sit on the couch. Leave me alone.
1: I'm tired of replacing my TV screens.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Throwing the remotes through them. Man. Throwing the
1: remotes. <laughs> but, you know, and then we had the 360, though, man. You can't deny it. 360 was was king of that generation.
0: Yeah, I've had ebbs and flows. Like The, the generation before this, I would, I, if I'm being honest with myself, the PS2 owned me. I was a huge fan of the PS2. When this generation came out, 360 was first to strike. And I think that really had a lot to do with converting me to... I, I was always an Xbox fan. I had an original Xbox, but this really converted me to being xbox over playstation i was like i can't believe how many and they had so many great games man that's all that's all it takes ps2 had the most games and it like blew my mind how how much of a breadth of a library they had same thing with the 360 the 360 outpaced ps3 in just about Mm -hmm. every facet they had so many games from so many genres Uh, the 360 stomped the ps3 and i had a ps3 ps3 was great they had a lot of great games it It was not better than the 360 it was not period
1: no, no, I'm right there with you. Um, had a PS3 also, and I enjoyed it. I mean, they had, they gave us some really good stuff. They gave us Resistance. They gave us Killzone. You know, Uncharted. Uncharted, but the 360 man, you they gave us. They gave me Bioshock, hands down. They gave me Bioshock. They gave us Gears. They gave us Halo.
0: Mm.
1: You know, mm. it's they, and, and Microsoft was not going to lose on the online front. They destroyed. Everything else in its path with Xbox Live.
0: Xbox Live made PlayStation look like a joke when you're talking about like online mm-hmm. services. It wasn't even comparable. I remember like talking to people working the store, like, "Oh yeah, PS3 online." Like that's like you don't even understand. Like, <laughs> it's nothing, man. It's like a, it's like child's play. They're in a whole different league. They might as well be connecting to a dial-up connection. It's completely <laughs> different.
1: Microsoft was not losing on that front.
0: Mm-mm. But Mm-mm. they
1: built. You know, outside of the Red Ring of Death, they built a good machine. Developers loved it. They gave us, you know, it's t- so many 360 exclusives, you know, just, you know, Dead Rising and, you know, like uh, Lost Planet. You know, the third party companies were all over it.
0: Yeah, they were. Everybody supported that thing. It even had a bunch of Japanese games at the time. It had Blue Dragon, Lost mm-hmm. Odyssey. You know, it, it had Japanese games. It had everything. And it still had Sega games coming out for it as well. Yes, it
1: did. Yes, Mm -hmm. it did.
0: Then we move on to the 8th generation. Now, this is where things get weird. And I'm talking about the Wii U. Because this thing came out... Well, you know what? I'm going to take it back. I guess this is part of the 8th generation. But it was so underpowered. It came out a year before the PS3 came... I'm sorry, before the PS4 came out and the Xbox One. And they were magnitudes apart, like in power. Like Xbox One, PS4 were so far ahead of this thing, it, was, it wasn't even funny. Now, the Wii U laid the groundwork for the Switch, so if you call it a necessary step, step, I'm glad we got there. The Wii U definitely has some good games, but its library is small. It didn't sell well. It was like, you know, it's definitely a black eye out of Nintendo's past. Yeah, compared to all its other consoles, it did not do well at all. But. In this same generation, you have the Switch, according to Wikipedia, Mm -hmm. which I think you and I would actually put the Switch into the next generation with the Xbox Series X, S, and PS5. They say that the ninth generation starts in 2020 to present and that the eighth generation was 2012 to present. I would argue that the the ninth generation started in 2017 when the Switch came out because it's super weird. It is. One, one company with two consoles and i know there was a power thing and it's totally different consoles but it's just i don't know the wii u came out at such a strange time man
1: you know because also in the eighth gen with the wii u you had the ps4 and and the xbox one
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then we had the switch yeah oh, man i mean could the switch be one of those cross generations the eighth and ninth or do you just
0: it came out three years before what they consider the ninth generation in Wikipedia, mm-hmm. but it's also like, that's their current console, man. Like that's correct. That's PS five and Xbox. Not only that switch there's months where Switch out selling both of those consoles. still. granted PlayStation has been kicking butt recently, mm-hmm. but I mean, switch is still huge. Like now they're still selling systems constantly. I think it's going to be the second biggest system of all time. I I, I really do. I think it's already surpassed. If it hasn't already surpassed it, it's going too soon. It's on its way to PlayStation Two status. I don't know. I don't think it's going to replace PlayStation Two as the biggest console ever. But it's it's over like 120 million units, and PlayStation was at 150. So PlayStation Two was at 150, to be clear. Okay. Um, Which is it's incredible, man. Like I don't know. It's hard to argue. It's been out since 2017. It's older, but it's still relevant. It's still it so is. relevant.
1: It is. I mean, you you saw the amount of people that lined up at our free comic book day when we, Nerdthusias, we gave one away.
0: We gave a, a Nintendo Switch, As a, a Zelda one when Tears of the Kingdom mm-hmm. came out. We gave that away. Oh,
1: the amount of people that crowded around the table to try to win that thing was insane. So it just shows that there is still a high interest for the Switch.
0: Super high. And these, these early reports of the new Nintendo system that's coming out, they didn't say it's going to be backwards compatible with Switch, but all the reports so far confirm that it's another, you know, handheld hybrid, so you can take it with you on the go and connect to a TV, which I think at this point Nintendo would be so stupid to not do that again. I mean you have to do that again
1: yeah but we also got to talk about the ps4 and xbox one because they also fall in the eighth generation and i mean there's no denying that how great those systems were
0: sure this was the most disappointing xbox system ever for me i mean this this system was not great
1: Uh, ah look they gave me after all my years of begging they gave me Killer Instinct. <laughs> so I was, I was super happy. That, came, that became my favorite system of all time just because of that.
0: This is when they screwed up their press conference. They screwed up from the very start, like the very start with the Xbox One. They I, didn't know how to speak did. to their customers. They were stupid about what they were marketing. They talked about TV all the time. They didn't talk about games mm-hmm. like during their biggest press conferences. And then they talked about digital rights management at a time where people hated that. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, (laughs) what are you doing? Shut up. It's better than you just shut up and not say anything to have than to say all the things that they were saying, honestly. But PS4, this was my console of choice at that time. Like, PS4 was so many great games on PS4, in my opinion. Like, that's where I played games for that generation. PS4, above all else. Mm -hmm. Granted, I did buy a lot of Xbox games for one reason. They did one thing right. And that was backwards compatibility. Mm-hmm. The fact that during this generation, they were like, hey, your original Xbox games, you can play them over here. Your 360 games, you can play them over here. Your Xbox One games, you can play them over here. That really made me buy a lot of third-party stuff on Xbox, knowing that they had a commitment to the future. Where PlayStation, mm-hmm. I didn't know what the hell they were going to do next. I'm like, I oh, know, maybe you'll make something. Maybe you'll make something so crazy next time it doesn't play any games. Like you do with the PS3, where it played all those games at first, and then you kind of took it away. And then they and, took it away, <laughs> right? And then you made the PS3 so complicated to, to develop for that it doesn't even work on anything still today. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Xbox kind of won me over with that that facet, but I do think PS4 had the better games in that generation. What do you think?
1: Mm. Uh, uh, you know what? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, okay. i give you that. Because they did they gave us they gave us Spider Man. hmm They gave us Spider Man. They
0: gave us uh, The Last of Us.
1: They gave us The Last of Us.
0: Actually that would have been part part two, because part part one was technically a PS3 game to be
1: fair. PS3, right. Um you know, they continue to give us God of War. But No, they you
0: rebooted know... God of War on that console. They made the best True. God of War game of all time. They that do. that first got that reboot of God of War was so good it wasn't even funny.
1: Um, you know, but like Me, the Xbox gave me, like I said, they gave me Killer Instinct. They gave me uh, Dead Rising 3. You know, they gave us Gears.
0: They did give us Gears. I'll give you that. We won't talk
1: talk about Halo. (laughs) Because Halo Guardians was
0: crap. I didn't finish Um, it. I I started playing the campaign and I was like, I I just fell out of it. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. But, you know, it's. But, yeah, I. I'm, I'm, I'm torn, because the PlayStation 4 did give us some really, really stellar titles. Um, Xbox One gave us a few good ones.
0: That's about how I would put it.
1: Yeah, yeah, they did. you know. And then we're in our current generation now, which is technically the ninth generation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: With the ser- Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5. Yep. And we could still kind of throw in Switch, because it's still going strong for now. If you want. Oh, um, especially with the OLED release.
0: Oh yeah, you gotta have that. You no, know? y'all don't have an OLED. You're doing yourselves dirty. You need to go trading your old system or do whatever sell it to somebody. Get yourself an OLED.
1: My daughter says, well, "I still got my original Switch that I barely play," but she was like, "You gotta get the OLED. It's so much nicer." But I'm
0: like, "It is. She's right." I, I, I
1: barely play my Switch as it is.
0: I mean, I, my Switch is like probably my secondary console. I'm always like. I am always bouncing. right now. I'm always bouncing back and forth. I'm always like play my Xbox, play my switch, play my PlayStation, play my switch, play my Xbox, play my switch. It's always the back and forth. The switch is always like the secondary thing before I go back to something else. Hmm. So it's probably getting more play than any of the consoles, to be honest with you, just because of that. Cause it's always like in between. And the Xbox is probably my dominant machine for one reason. Going back to that backwards compatibility.
1: Right, yeah.
0: I have almost five hundred games on my Xbox. And PlayStation's not even close to that. So when I keep buying third party games, they're they're almost always on Xbox. Like ninety nine percent of the time they're gonna be on Xbox. Just because I I have faith that in five years I'll be able to play them. In ten years, probably be able to play them. Yeah. Play, again, going back PlayStation, I have no idea. I don't know what the hell they're gonna do. Great, my PS4 games work on my PS5. Thank you, appreciate that. What about the old ones? No, nothing. Okay. <laughs> my Xbox games still work. Just so you guys know. Yeah. That's so, huge. Yeah. That's huge. For me, it's huge. Not everyone. No one's as crazy as you or I, Wes. <laughs> like some people <laughs> will never play those games again, ever. They don't care. They're just they just want the new hotness right that's it so my playstation is five is getting the least play for sure i think they have some of the best experiences though uh you know like if, for example the um god what is it called that game that came built into your well you would never even opened up your damn playstation 5 have you? <laughs> i know
1: <laughs> well you talk about the playroom the little uh
0: astro's playroom or astro's yeah something it's do that game it's free it's built in your ps5 mm-hmm. still I, I still think it's probably my favorite experience on that console that's what a lot of people say a lot of people say it's unbelievable how good it is
1: well my ps5 is going to get some love spider-man 2 is coming out and that's the only way i'll have to play it so i will finally i'll let y'all do a video Of me cracking open my day one PS5. (laughs) Welcome
0: to the ninth generation, Wes. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's where I'm at today. But who knows? Anything can switch, right? Like, I I still think... Here's the truth. I still think PlayStation is making the games that I probably care about the most. But Nintendo is right behind them. Xbox isn't even close, like not even close with the games that they're developing. I love Gears still, but mm-hmm. they have a long way to go to really win me over in that front. But the way they've maintained me is really through backwards compatibility and allowing me to keep my library through the years. That's the only way they have kept me relevant in their ecosystem so far. Um, but hopefully, you know, these acquisitions that they have will keep me there longer and give me more stuff. They, they have just put in... They fixed a bunch, I mean either Microsoft or Activision, probably a partnership between them. They fixed all these old mm-hmm. Call of Duty games and they're working better than they did originally, Wes. Can you believe that?
1: Oh, well, that's Ops, like
0: the, dude, the old Black Ops games are like better than ever. The original, like Modern Warfare 2, better than ever, like now. Hmm. It's crazy. It's insane. Fully ahead of time.
1: I know. I know. That's, t- tell me about it. <laughs> yeah and then you know i'm just thinking about what the 10th generation is going to look like like how much further can technology push itself
0: the games aren't looking that much better i i don't think this generation like ps5 and, and series x look dramatically better than a ps4 pro or an xbox um uh, the hell were those things called oh my god project scorpio what the hell was that called
1: oh xbox <laughs> x
0: an Xbox, oh, just an X, okay. The Xbox Correct. X, that's right. Sorry, sorry for getting confused between the Xbox X and the Xbox Series X. My apologies, that's my fault, <laughs> not Lagerfeld's.
1: How dare you, Matt?
0: <laughs> Stupid ass names.
1: my god. But yeah, so we, you know, we went through the list of gen generations, and you know the consoles found within each generation. And you know, we went from one to nine, and I just I don't know, man. My heart still still falls within the fourth, fifth, and sixth gen. I mean, I granted, because we're here, I enjoy, you know, the the eighth and ninth, because that's where we are. Mm-hmm. You know, I enjoy playing the games that that are coming out, but I always go back to to the older stuff, man. Fourth, fifth, and sixth is is my sweet spot.
0: I'm, I'm I'm torn between a bunch of them, too. But if, if you had to give me one, if I, if you were like, you can have every library from whatever generation, it probably would be that sixth generation. Because oh, there's I, so yeah. many great games on Dreamcast, Xbox, GameCube, and PS2. Are you kidding me? There's no, I don't think there's a way I couldn't pick that generation. Mm. Ooh, yeah. <sighs>
1: mm, okay.
0: Every game on one generation, you get to pick the generation. Which one do you pick?
1: One generation,
0: you only pick one generation, but you get every game on those systems in that generation.
1: Man, and you know what? It, mm, I, I, I would have to, a gun to my head. I would, I would go, I would go with the fourth generation. I would.
0: Fourth generation. That was the Genesis generation, generation correct?
1: Yep. Right? Turbo Graphics, Genesis, Super Nintendo, Neo Geo, three D O. Yeah.
0: That's a damn good one.
1: I would. I, I would. That would that would be my gun to my head. Pick one now. That's it. <laughs>
0: That's it. That's a damn good one. I'm not gonna argue against it. Uh,
1: you know what? I want people to if you're watching this video, please comment. I'm I, I really am curious to see what your favorite generation would be. Rob, I'm talking to you in particular. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, I I, I, I want to see everybody else's opinions. And I, I like to read their comments and see where their passions lie and which generation is their favorite, which ones they remember the most.
0: Let's... Yeah, if you don't remember what we talked about, go to Wikipedia, look at the list, pick your generation, drop a comment, let us know. Finally, guys, we have for you the price pulse check, checking the prices of retro slash not so retro video games depending on what we look at each week this week we have two we have of course a as we started doing this we pick a common game like a, a pretty common game or maybe slightly slightly uncommon game or we also pick a rare game or a uncommon game um where do you want to start with? should we start with the common or the rare
1: you know what do the rare let you could start with the rare since that was your pick
0: my, it was my turn to pick the rare one this week. We are alternating these, so I picked. I wanted to pick something kind of obscure that people don't talk about a lot. I need to give a little bit of love to Xbox because I feel like they are constantly overlooked in the retro community for the most part. Futurama on the original Xbox is one of the more expensive games, one of the hardest-to-find games on the original Xbox, so let's take a look at the pricing for that. Complete in box, 227, that's as of August 2023. Uh, we are only a couple days into August, so that's a pretty recent sale that you see on there. Uh, 227 complete in box. The peak for this uh, Futurama game is 229. That was back in June of 2022. So, you know, about a year difference, and you see that it has gone down $2. So, pretty close to its peak still. Obviously, this is a uncommon but rare game. So, I, I, who would have thought?
1: Who would have thought? Futurama,
0: really? This show is still kind of popular, and I do remember seeing this in the store. I remember having—I remember when it came in, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Futurama is personally not my bag. Like, I don't watch that show. So I, when I get the game came in, I was just like, "Eh, I'll pass." Exactly. It's like, eh.
1: But to to see a complete in box for two twenty yeah. seven,
0: what? Yeah, that's obviously opened. But if you guys want to get a sealed one, the 989 in April of 2023, that is the new peak. August 20, I'm sorry, that was the old peak. That was the original peak. 989, that's still the peak today. My apologies for screwing that up. August of 2023, 922. So it has dropped a little bit, but you're not seeing a huge drop there. Um, We're not comparing these. We don't see the picture. So maybe this one was in a little less condition than the other one, but not a lot of time has changed between April and August, so you know, what is that about a $50 difference Wes, for right around there? Yeah.
1: Pretty much, give or take a couple dollars.
0: So you're looking at almost a G. Mm. That's a lot of money for a game. $1,000. That's
1: a, I mean, you're talking you're approaching like Snatcher and Pesan Dragoon Saga territory.
0: You really are, which is nuts, <laughs> the nuts to think about. Um <laughs>
1: A Futurama like it's just it's, it's blowing my
0: mind I don't know it's there I think wow. there was another game like that too that was kind of based on a TV show that was not not nearly as expensive as this but still kind of rare uh, I, don't, I don't remember what it was maybe it was like Family Guy or something um, but I think that one was pretty up there too I don't remember um, but yeah I think that's an interesting one to look at so there you guys go. Not not huge dips on this one. It's kind of stayed pretty steady. And this is what you should expect when you're looking at prices. When you find a, an actually rare or an actually you know, pretty uncommon game, the prices are going to tend to hold much better than something that's common uh, that shot up during the pandemic or shot up for some other reason, right? Which is going into our next one, Simpson Bart Simpson's Nightmare, right? That's what it's called. Yeah, Bart Simpson's
1: yeah, the Simpsons Bart's Nightmare. Yeah, cuz I figured that was my pick cuz I figured we keep with the Matt Groening theme since you picked Futurama. Uh, I'll, I'll pick I'll pick a Simpsons game. Uh, you know, it's and Bart's Nightmare is it's pretty common. It's you, pretty you common, it's it. pretty
0: crappy. And just so you guys know, we're talking about the Super Nintendo one, not the Genesis version.
1: Correct. Um and it was hard as heck. i had never finished it. The game was super hard. Yeah. But was not not <laughs> good also. At, you know what? It was a Simpsons game, and I love the Simpsons.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Love the Simpsons. To this day, I still love the Simpsons. So it was. I mean, I'll find some pleasure in it, even though it's torture. I will. <laughs> but what the Simpsons Bart's Nightmare for Super Nintendo, a complete in box, as of August twenty twenty three, is ninety seven bucks, ninety eight bucks. It, it's it not peaked. too high.
0: That's not too it's high. It's not crazy. Not, it's not a for it's Super about
1: Right. But cause Super Nintendo's games generally are, are you know can be can be pricey. Yeah. It, um but it, it peaked, a complete inbox peaked in March of 2022 at a hundred and fifty four dollars.
0: Hmm. It's an so, interesting time. This is like right before the prices started coming down right around that time last year we started talking about that the prices are Mm -hmm. coming down the prices are coming down this is like the tail end of the pandemic pricing wearing off so you can see it perfectly if you guys go back and you start looking at a lot of pricing you're going to see 2021 2022 those are almost always the peaks for games now not all the time but quite often
1: yeah it's i mean that's that's a 50 dollar drop It's. Within a year's time. It's uh
0: it's a third of its price. It dropped it lost a third of its price in one year. That's well, that's we, significant.
1: We always we said in a couple of our other videos when we talked about pricing that we expected a decline in pricing and you know the prices are gonna start to slowly creep down and, and we're seeing it. We're mm-hmm. seeing it now. Uh, but if you want to go for a complete in box, you know, the as of August twenty twenty three.
0: Sealed, We're looking at I'm sorry. The- you said sealed. sealed.
1: Sealed, I'm sorry. Sealed, thank you. Uh, $313 for a sealed copy of Bart's Nightmare mm-hmm. for Super Nintendo. Um, But the peak, it peaked all the way back in October of 2012. Which is kind of surprising. Right, and that was $500. See, I thought it would peak like 2020, 2021.
0: I thought so, too, and there's, there's a couple things that fall into play here. I think condition, right? I, I think there, there may not be a ton of these. I, I don't know for sure. I don't know what the population report would be on something like this, but I'm assuming that there's not a bunch of these sealed still, so they're not coming up that often. In mm-hmm. 2012, Simpsons might have been way more popular at that time. i imagine they were than today. That was 11 years ago, guys. So I'm guessing the Simpsons were probably more popular at that point in time. Maybe something came out that really mm-hmm. made people think that it was going to be worth more money. Um, I forget when the Simpsons movie came out, but perhaps it was around that time.
1: I was going to say I was going to suggest that. Yep.
0: Um, I don't know when it came out. You guys have to go back and look. It was. This was also an important note in October. Halloween's in October. Bart's nightmare. You guys following me? Spooky season. That could also <laughs> okay. be a, a determination if you guys look at horror games. October is a popular month for prices to go up.
1: Yeah, man. But there you have it. You know, uh, a common and a not so common, you know, game uh, for the pulse check. But it's it's just interesting. It's it's I, our predictions are coming true, man. Prices are slowly creeping down.
0: Yeah, which means Wes and I are going to spend more money, probably.
1: Come down a little bit more, man. <laughs> <laughs> I need to spend more money. But I can't help it.
0: You still got a 3DS to collect for, sir.
1: I do. I do.
0: (laughs) I hope I never get one. I'm not going to start all that. (laughs) But yeah, so there's a look at the prices, guys. Uh, That pretty much wraps up everything we're going to talk about today. Uh, We do hope you enjoyed the video. If you guys like what you saw, please, again, consider giving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Those things really, really help us out. Uh, And it's free. It doesn't cost you anything in just a few moments of your time. If you do want to support us financially, that would be fantastic. Uh, just a few dollars a month. You can give us up to a dollar, you know, as little as a dollar a month. And you can support us and get exclusive content over on Patreon. Patreon.com slash is where you guys can support us over there. Make sure you guys follow the company at Nerdhusiast on all the socials. And that's pretty much it for Wes and I. Wes, where can people find you at?
1: You can catch me on Instagram at Grendel5XBX. And you can also find me at Level Up Entertainment in Hamilton Mall at the Jersey Shore if you're ever in the Atlantic City area.
0: There you go. You guys can follow me on Twitter. It's at from NJ2CA. The two is a number two. Thank you guys so much for watching. I hope you all have a great day. Take care. Have a good one, guys.